Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Business Advantage Podcast. I am Alicia M. Pennington, owner of Advantage, mama, business consultant, and your host. I started this podcast back in 2016 to bring awareness to business-related topics and athletic training. And now here we are seven years later on season four, discussing the transition from self-employment to business ownership. Let's dive in. Are you a self-motivated athletic trainer looking to take control of your work? Advantage is seeking relationships with athletic trainers who want autonomy, flexibility in their schedule, and who thrive in non-traditional contract opportunities. If this sounds like you, get in touch. Key learning objectives. Defining and distinguishing what it means to be self-employed. Recognize the prevalence of self-employed work within the AT profession and its relevance to the labor market and overall career trajectory. Acknowledge the implication of the liabilities, legalities, and opportunities in accepting self-employed work as a healthcare professional. Between the emergence of the gig economy, the layoffs and furloughs of the pandemic, and the advent of the Great Recession, being self-employed has never been more popular. According to the U.S. Business Formation Statistics, the number of business applications has steadily risen since the previous decade. In 2010, the number of new business applications was 2.5 million. Fast forward to 2020, and this figure rose 75% to 4.38 million. It was also a 24.7% increase from 2019 and the most significant increase of the past decade. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're talking about being self-employed not starting a business. And there is definitely a distinction. One that I'm going to walk you through and cover extensively in this season's episodes of The Business Advantage. With that said, you are self-employed, according to the IRS, if you are a business owner or contractor who provides services to other businesses. Pretty vague, I know which is why we're going to dive deep into it this season. For all of you listening, let me define how I am going to refer to self-employed so that we have a working definition. Anytime that you are hired to do work as an independent contractor, as opposed to an employee, you are self-employed. How do you know if you're an independent contractor versus an employee? Here's a few giveaways. If taxes aren't being withheld from the pay that you're receiving, you're an independent contractor. If you're not being hired internally within their organization, aka you're not filling out withholding paperwork, doing I-9s, other types of onboarding paperwork, you're an independent contractor. And if you're accepting a gig from the internet like GoFor for ATs or Fiverr or Upwork for other industries or a post on a Facebook group, you're very likely an independent contractor. Self-employed work is very popular in athletic training. I feel pretty confident in saying that just about every athletic trainer has worked as a self-employed individual at some point, whether they know it or not. And therein lies the problem. When we aren't aware that we're working for ourselves, 
suddenly we are at risk of putting ourselves in a liable position. Does your insurance provider know that you're working independently? Does your physician know that you're accepting weekend work? Have you thought about what the tax implication of that self-employed work is? Personally, I'm a huge fan of self-employed work. It has completely changed the trajectory of my career. I turned independent contractor work into a business and have never looked back. I know many ATs who work full-time as freelancers and are fully self-employed. Here's my full disclosure bias before we get too far into things. I believe self-employment is the way of the future. I have seen the financial freedom it provides for myself and dozens of others around me. I know that it has the power to change lives. And so I want to educate as many people as possible on what this looks like and how to achieve it. The truth is, whether you're wanting to be a full-time freelancer or not, it's important that we as a profession are educated on this topic. When NATA partnered with the GoFor app back in 2017, they were endorsing self-employed work. When the NATA published my per diem best practices document in 2019, they were trying to make a resource about self-employment available. This has been at the national level for over five years, but the same way that trickle-down economics doesn't work, neither does trickle-down information. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics tells us that over 10 million people in the U.S. are self-employed. And so in an effort to reach all of you directly, I'm not going to rely on information coming from the top. I'm bringing it straight to you. Moreover, representing oneself as a self-employed individual is quite commonplace among the professional sector of laborers. In fact, It is well aligned with NATA's efforts in lobbying the standard occupational classification system to reassign athletic trainers as a professional occupation instead of a technical one. The implication of this adjustment informs labor research and may have influence on the hiring, salary, and employment decisions for athletic trainers. As we know in athletic training, none of this is taught to us in school. We're given the clinical skills necessary to pass the BOC, and we're trained on the soft skills enough to be personable and get hired. But navigating the real world of careers, work types, starting a business, etc., is far outside the realm of our KD programs. We require guidance and mentorship associated with making decisions about self-employed work a type of mentorship that explains and provides resources for better understanding the options available, none of which is something that you will get while working clinically. It requires seeking outside information beyond the profession to be informed of this. We are capable of conducting ourselves far beyond just the clinical training that we have. And if we want to demonstrate ourselves as professional laborers, not just technicians, representing oneself as a self-employed individual is a great step in that direction. And that's why I took this on. I've been mentoring athletic trainers since 2016. I've been putting out resources, acting as a consultant, and doing my best to inform others of their choices and responsibility. But still, this is nuanced information. In many cases, every situation differs. 
And as much as I enjoy having individual conversations, it was time for a resource to exist where someone could sit down and listen from start to finish and be taught what all of this actually means. The labor market has changed. Demand is higher than ever for athletic trainers. We have the opportunity to name our price and to also name our standards, including whether you want to work for yourself with all the benefits associated with it or take a position as an employee. There's never been a better time to understand how to negotiate these details for yourself. And my hope is that by understanding what this could mean for your life and career, you start to find greater balance in your lives, leading to less attrition and greater job satisfaction, and eventually a more fulfilled profession. Honestly, all you have to do is Google get rich on the gig economy to see a sleuth of articles teaching how to make more money in gig or self-employed work than a full-time job. One article stated that approximately 70 million Americans work in the gig economy, which is expected to rise to 90 million by 2028. A poll they conducted showed that 59% of respondents identified gig work as their primary source of income. So as we dive into this, there are two primary aspects that we need to be aware of when thinking about self-employed work the liabilities and legalities associated with it, and the benefits of taking on this type of work. So let's examine both of these a little bit further. As for the liabilities and legalities, we're covering the not-so-fun stuff first because it's necessary that we discuss the implications of the requirements of working as a self-employed person before we jump into all of the benefits. So starting with insurance, You must be insured as a self-employed individual in order to operate as such. I already strongly advocate for every athletic trainer to carry their own professional liability insurance, even if their employer provides one, because no one has more interest in your well-being than you do. So make sure that you're identified as, at minimum, a part-time self-employed person even if you're just picking up gig work on the weekend, sometimes. If you don't have that designation, you are practicing uninsured. Next, standing orders. The physician who you work under must acknowledge that you do self-employed work. It doesn't change the scope of your operations. In fact, I strongly advocate for you to limit your scope when doing per diem work specifically. But the agreement that you have with the physician, even if it's just a verbal one, needs to be that you're working for yourself at least part-time. And the reason for this is because it may change their liability associated with overseeing you, especially if the agreement in place is between their institution and your institution. You may not be covered. So make sure that you look into this. Next. The State Practice Act and concussion laws. Make sure that the population that you are working with is permissible under state law and that you have reviewed whether the concussion law differs based on the population. In some states, the licensure defines athlete in a very limiting way. And in some states, there is a distinction between a youth sport concussion law and a high school. 
So again, be sure that you're reviewing these and that you're aware of how these may differ for yourself in working with different populations. Next, make sure that you're getting everything in writing. Whether you're accepting a shift from an app or a Facebook group or negotiating directly with an organization, make sure that you have at minimum an email bullet pointing what is expected. You are representing yourself here. So professionalize things by making sure that you have payment terms, a scope of work, supplies provided, and more. You want all of that outlined prior to showing up. And this protects you and helps to mitigate miscommunication going into self-employed work. Lastly, have a form of documentation. In many per diem situations, you are walking into a population that you have no medical history on, may not have access to any emergency information, and are very much at the mercy of what is on site or what you have in your kit. This is already a lot of risk to take on. And one additional step that you can take to protect yourself is to have a go-to documentation recording system. It doesn't matter what it is. Pen and paper, Google Sheets, sophisticated EMR. Make sure you have a way of documenting what you see and touch while working in the event that you are asked for records. And listen, I know this is a lot. <laughs> and that's why I created a Principles of Per Diem ebook back in 2018. It has a checklist and suggestions on how to go about ensuring all of this is in place for yourself. My husband and I started a consulting firm for aspiring and established business owners who are looking to start, scale, or shift their businesses. We've worked with everyone from independent athletic trainers to multi-million dollar corporations. We've translated our foundational principles across 35 plus industries and would love to support you as well. Head to penningtonperspective.com for more info or feel free to just DM me directly on IG at it's Alicia MP. That's I-T-S-A-L-I-S-H-A-M-P. See you there. If your head is spinning or you've been trying to take feverish notes as I've been rattling these off, rest assured that it's all written down for you. We will have a link in the show notes to the Principles of Per Diem Liabilities and Legalities ebook that you can purchase if you would like. Okay, now on to some of the fun stuff about being self-employed. All of the benefits that come both financially and for your lifestyle as a result of being your own boss. Number one, tax benefits. One of the greatest opportunities available to a self-employed person is the opportunity to write off everyday expenses as a part of the cost of doing business. This is the one that I get the most excited about sharing because it was the start to financial freedom for me. When we're self-employed, any cost associated with doing business becomes a write-off which lowers your overall tax liability. Here's what I mean by that. Let's say that you're gonna make $10,000 this year doing gig work. Normally, as an employee, taxes would be taken directly from your check on the full $10,000. When you're a self-employed, you get to lower your tax liability by deducting costs that you already have to pay for. For example, the BOC or your licensing dues, 
the cost of CEUs, a first aid certification, attire for work, including shoes or meals on the way to work or while working. So let's say that you end up identifying $3,000 of expenses throughout the year to deduct from your self-employed work. Now you only owe taxes on $7,000 instead of $10,000. Pretty cool, huh? And that's not it. As we dive further into the financial benefits, we can extrapolate out these tax benefits into the overall financial benefits for you and your household. Traveling to conferences, meetups with colleagues, new gear, your cell phone, and your utilities, it all starts to culminate into expenses that you would have to normally pay for out of pocket with post-tax check from your employer. And now you're able to pay for and deduct these as operational expenses that you then don't owe taxes on. The financial benefits become even more pronounced when you start a business for your self-employed work, which is a recommendation I make because of the liability associated with our type of work. But I will cover that extensively in the next episode. For now, I'd love for you to just Google expenses for the self-employed person. And I want you to start daydreaming about all of the ways that you can spend your money instead of paying Uncle Sam. Because seriously, that is the benefit of this type of work. We get to pay for expenses with pre-tax dollars so that we owe Uncle Sam less at the end of the year. Again, I will dive so much more deeper into this and explain it extremely thoroughly. But for right now, I just want you to Google and see what is possible as I write off for you. The next opportunity available through self-employed work is a diverse resume. A fantastic opportunity associated with self-employed work is the ability to represent yourself in a myriad of different settings and diverse areas. When I first came out of grad school, I was a full-time freelancer, and the amount of connections I made and the network that I built up still benefits me to this day, over 10 years later. When you're tied down to a single employer, the opportunity to diverse your resume, to network within other settings, or to grow your skill set may be limited. By being self-employed, you have the right to accept or refuse any opportunity that may come your way. And many athletic trainers love the variety that our line of work brings us. And having a Rolodex of clients who you could reach out to at any point brings some real spontaneity to your work. Another benefit of self-employed work is that it allows you to hedge against economic turmoil. Not to mention that having assorted settings and clients that you are familiar with helps to allow for this. As we saw during the pandemic, the traditional settings were shuttered, whereas the industrial and the hospital settings couldn't staff enough people. So having the opportunity to pivot as needed based on your life circumstances or what is happening in the world provides a great opportunity for you to prepare against untimely conditions whenever they may arise. 
And lastly, it just provides overall flexibility. This is one of the greatest gifts and opportunities of self-employed work is just simply the flexibility associated with it. Like I said, accept or turn down shifts however you'd like. There's no need to get approval requests for time off. Work as much or as little as you need. Accept work around your schedule, plan family or personal trips when you want, and live a life that provides maximum freedom and flexibility for yourself. I truly do see the opportunities available for self-employed athletic trainers as a solution to our retention and attrition issue in this profession. If more of us had greater upward economic mobility, the flexibility to take personal time when and how we needed it without the fear of repercussion or losing our job, and we coupled that with diverse networks that hedged against market turmoil and tax benefits, we truly would be a completely different breed of a profession. And I'm hopeful that by sharing this information with you, it will open the possibility of considering this kind of work for yourself while demystifying some of the stigma or the confusion associated with it. To put things in comparison, I want to share how popular it is among other healthcare providers to not only work as self-employed individuals, but also to have their own business. It is estimated that there are approximately 130,000 physical therapy businesses in the U.S., majority owned and operated by physical therapists themselves. There are about 67,000 chiropractic offices in the U.S., with chiropractors working and operating these locations themselves. Nurses, nurse practitioners, and PAs often operate aesthetics or injection businesses on the side of their daily job. We have the capability of doing this exact same kind of work. And many athletic trainers are starting to venture onto the entrepreneurial path. Many are starting their own private practices, are offering concierge services, working in emergent settings, and all kinds of other examples. Our chance is here. And so maybe you're scratching your head wondering, how is it that self-employed work could create a greater amount of opportunity than guaranteed employment? To that, I put forth one phrase, upward mobility. When you're your own boss, you can name your rate, you can shop around and go where you want for work, you're not limited to a cost of living allowance increase year over year, and you're not capped on your earning potential. So even if it feels a little scary right now, or you're having a difficult time figuring out how would I even get started in this, Trust me when I say there is ample opportunity available for every single one of you. In conclusion, self-employed work within healthcare and athletic training specifically is already occurring in mass. Despite most workers not understanding the implication of this work or even knowing that they're conducting themselves as self-employed individuals, recognizing this within each practitioner allows for greater professional retention and proper adherence to the legalities associated with representing oneself as self-employed. 
in turn providing upward mobility across the profession. The greater number of self-employed athletic trainers we have who are appropriately informed creates increased access to quality care among various patient panels and affordable and practical solutions to common orthopedic injuries, thereby strengthening the quality of care delivered as a whole. Thank you for listening. You are now eligible to receive a Category A CEU. Head to advantageacademy.com, find the title of this podcast as a course name, and complete the quiz for your credit. As always, if you found this useful, please recommend it to peers or share about it on social media. Be sure to tag us at The Advantage. That's T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E.